Okay, I'd like to welcome everyone to our Antioch Bible study for Monday, um, the 15th of November. We give the Lord God Almighty for the awesome wonders of his grace and his sustenance in this season. Blessed be God Almighty. So we bow our heads to pray. Father, we are so grateful for the privilege to gather at your feet this Monday evening. We surrender to your Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, you are a teacher. Come and teach us. Come and illuminate our understanding of spiritual truth that our lives will be transformed by your word. And then you will be empowered so, so the kingdom will prosper through us. For it's in Jesus' awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay, now we come to Colossians chapter 4 and the apostle, as is his custom, is beginning to wind down as it were. So let us read um, a few verses and then we can start. <laughs> Colossians chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, give your bond servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. Verse 4, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time, and let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Okay, let us stop here. When we come to chapter 4 of Paul's letter to the Colossians, we sense that the first verse actually belongs to chapter 3, because it is dealing with the treatment of servants by their masters, okay? Masters give your bond servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This may appear just a regular admonition, but it is not, it is not because bond servants have no rights they are not entitled to wages. If they feel cheated or wronged, there is nowhere to seek redress. A master can therefore deal with his born servant anyhow, you know, without thinking he's doing anything wrong at all. But here, the Apostle Paul is saying 
that given such a scenario, no master is justified in conscience to deal with his bond servant in such a manner as the rest of society. This is because they must know that as Christians, we have our master in heaven, who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The law of sowing and reaping will apply if you treat your bond servant anyhow, because you have the power to do so. Your master in heaven will have to make you reap what you have sown. We must know for our own sake that this is the most compelling reason to follow these teachings that deal with interpersonal relationships. The maximists do not take advantage of people or treat them harshly, molest and oppress them because you have the power to do so. You will be inviting the Lord God Almighty to intervene on their behalf. It is important for anyone who molests or oppresses the poor, the weak, and the needy in their circle to hear this in Psalm 72, verse 12. For God will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and the needy and will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence. And precious shall be their blood in his sight. In other words, if you oppress people because you have the power to do so, God will come and avenge on their behalf. That's what the scriptures are saying. God will deliver the needy and the poor when they cry. He will come to their rescue against those who ill treat them. This is a warning for every Christian. Don't, don't, don't take advantage over people because you have the power to do so. The Bible teaches us that by the fear of God, men depart from iniquity. Here is Proverbs 16, 6. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. That's what the Bible is saying. Through the fear of the Lord, whether you have the power over them or not, do not molest them. Do not oppress them. Because you fear God, because you and I fear God, we must not do that. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, that is it. When we now do as God has instructed us, God will make even our enemies to live at peace with us. And this is not a matter for gain. And the scripture says here, better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice and oppression. And wickedness. Okay, so we move to the next thought in this fourth chapter. Verses two, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word 
to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I'm also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now, having outlined all the wonderful virtues of our new life in Christ, the apostle made it clear that the source of power to be and to do as we ought, as new men and women in Christ, the source of power is going to come through prayer. The husband, for example, needs to pray for the grace and the inner strength to love his wife unconditionally as Christ loved the church. The wife needs to pray for the grace. You see, it's not by willpower. It's not by human effort. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we pray for grace and the inner strength a woman must pray to submit to her own husband and to honor and appreciate him. Now, the Christian has to establish the kingdom of God and its righteousness on the earth through the power of God. And that comes through prayer. Isaiah told us in... Um, Isaiah 10, 27. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his soap from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. How do we break yokes by the anointing? Our Lord Jesus told his disciples to go preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. But he advised them to wait in Jerusalem until they are endued with power from on high. We must admit that the church failed to continue to explore the way to the release, to the release of God's power on his people. Yes, we are called to establish the kingdom of God with power. Our Lord Jesus said in Mark 9.1, he went on to say, I tell you, there are some here who will not die until they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. It's a commission to, to, to manifest the kingdom of God with, with power. And that power begins with the transformation of our lives, that God's power has changed our lives. That is the testimony of the new creation in Christ. Um, my life has been changed. When the apostle urged the saints to continue earnestly in prayer, he was referring to prayer that leads to empowerment. You see, it's not just saying prayers. It's the prayer that leads to empowerment. The individual, he knows, he doesn't just feel empowered, he knows he's empowered. That is a knowing. And that empowerment leads to effectiveness in living the Christian life and in testifying to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not talking about a praying church that is in retreat, but a praying church advancing against the world and the devil, both of which are in complete retreat. 
That's what Jesus said. I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That, that is a vision of a church that is empowered, advancing against the kingdom of hell. And the hell and the world are in retreat because the people of God are empowered. They know how to bring the presence, the manifest presence and power of God in their world. And this is not for um, a few evangelists here and there, you know, that pass by occasionally. No, no. This is something for every believer to experience. So now, how do we then continue in this? How do we continue earnestly? He says, earnestly in prayer. We go to the prophet Zechariah to gain an insight into what this is really all about and how it can be done. Come with me to Zechariah chapter 3, verse 6. Then the angel told Joshua that the Lord Almighty had said, this is the uh, a modern, today's English version, if you obey my laws, okay, and perform the duties I have assigned you, then you will continue to be in charge of my temple and its courts, and I will hear your prayers. Just as I hear the prayers of the angels who are in my presence. Listen then, Joshua, you who are the high priest. And listen, you fellow priests of his, you that are the sign of a good future. I will reveal my servant who is called the branch. Verse 9, I'm placing in front of Joshua a single stone with seven facets. I will engrave an inscription on it. And in a single day, I will take away the sin of this land. Amen. Amen. Verse 10, when that day comes, each of you will invite your neighbor to come and enjoy peace and security surrounded by your vineyards and fig trees. Now, this is a message to Joshua, the high priest. This is a message to all the priests that minister at the altar. And God says to them, if you will follow, if you will obey my commandments, if you will follow my instructions, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to answer your prayers. I am going to empower you, just like I empower these angels that are in my presence. Okay? And then you will become the guarantors of peace and security for your nation. That's an awesome, that's a very awesome uh, 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 scenario that you and I need to key into immediately. So that instead of um, wondering, how, how are things going to change? Say, no, there are people who are empowered, who become guarantors of peace and safety in the land because of the spiritual authority they wield. You see, because we are spiritual people, we, we, we solve, we bring solutions from the spiritual. Now, let us go 
through this quietly because it's so important that every single one of us understand this. It is so, so vitally important. Every single one of us understand this. Now, from Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, we learn of the importance of getting rid of sin as we enter God's holy presence. Joshua, the high priest, he was filthy. And there is no way, there is no way, no matter what anybody will tell you, there is no way the Lord God Almighty will empower Joshua in that state. No, it's not possible. Because it will be contrary to his nature. Okay? So, the first thing that God did was to get rid of the sins of Joshua by sovereign grace. And then he covered him with righteousness. It's a very fascinating story. Okay? So when the devil was accusing him, and the, the, the essence of the accusation of the devil is to say, this man cannot be empowered. Yeah. And God said, yes, but I can do something about his state. So take off his filthy garments, put on a white robe on him, take off uh, uh, the, his headgear, put on a white turban on him. That silences the enemy. That's what sovereign grace does. Sovereign grace, you know, offers you and I what we do not deserve. Complete cleansing, you know. And, and every individual must understand the power and the place of that cleansing in, in prayers. It is so important, Okay. Because that's the only state in which a man can be empowered in the presence of God. That's where empowerment takes place. Because the, the angel said to Joshua, is, is if, you, if you come in like these angels, in and out, oh, you'll be empowered. So, once Joshua was cleansed, the angel came to admonish him from verse 6. Listen carefully, Joshua. The first thing is that going forward, you must obey my laws and keep my commandments. So those, who, who, uh, um, those of us who pray and then continue life as usual, oh, then you've gotten it all wrong. There is no way I can desire God to empower me and answer my prayers, and I continue life as usual. Anybody who tells you that is deceiving is deceiving me. So that's why the angel called Joshua and said, listen, Listen, they've cleaned you now. They've cleaned you out. So the devil can't accuse you anymore. The, the judge has already uh, cleaned you up. So forget about the past. Now we're talking about the present and going forward. Okay? So he says, he says to, 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 to Joshua, the first thing is, you've got to keep my laws, keep my commandments. So please do not let the devil or anyone deceive you that a Christian does not obey God's laws anymore. You know, sometimes you hear all this type of foolish arguments, you know. I want you to listen carefully to Romans chapter 8, verse 4. This is the Passion Translation. It says, so now, every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. This Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. 
And when Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, then he begins to express his life, his humility, his kindness, his holiness, his integrity. He begins to express his life through us. Now, so now every, every righteous requirement of the Lord can be fulfilled through the anointed one living in his life in us. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's, the, that's, that's why we are saved. We are saved so that the life of Christ can be revealed to the world through us. We are not saved to continue in sin. Nobody should believe such a thing. Now, let's, let's follow this carefully. Every righteous requirement of all the moral laws of God Almighty can be fulfilled by the Christian through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. When a man comes to Christ, all his sins are forgiven. All his sins are forgiven. But the righteous requirements of God's moral laws are fulfilled by the same redeemed Christian through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. This is to position the Christian for empowerment before God. That's the only way. That's the only way. So if you and I sense that the church, as we know it for sure, that the church is powerless in the face of the onslaught of the world and the devil, then we just have to change our, 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 our thinking and our approach to prayer before God Almighty. Our Lord Jesus said quite categorically in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, don't think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. The righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees is legalism. But the righteousness of the Lord of God is dual love. The first is the loving obedience of God in all things. The second is the extension of the love of God through us to our fellow human beings. So whether you, whether you are at work or at home and the street, you are, you are revealing the love of God through your work, you know, in the way you serve people. You know, you know it's, a, it's a revelation that people need to understand what this calling is about, that we are called to love people, you know, and show them the love of God be the one to express and, and reveal the love of God to them in the way we treat them, whether we're at work or at home. We are told in Romans chapter 13, 10, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. The angel admonished Joshua, the high priest, to obey God's commandments by walking daily in obedient love towards God and obedient love towards his fellow men and women. That is what will guarantee his empowerment. Let us, 
Listen again to Zechariah 3.7. The Lord God Almighty has said, if you obey my laws, if you perform the duties I have uh, assigned you, you will, uh, then you will continue to be in charge of my temple and its courts. And I will hear your prayers. Just as I hear the prayers of the angels who are in my presence. I will hear your prayers just as I hear the prayers of angels in my holy presence. Let us stop a moment and consider what are angels praying about? Angels are on assignment to establish the purposes of God in all his creation. The power they need is to accomplish the purposes of God on the earth. In the same manner, you and I are on assignment to fulfill the purposes of our God in our lives and in our world. And we need to be so empowered that the kingdom of God will come with power through us. Amen. So angels are seeking empowerment you know, to fulfill the purposes of God. We also are seeking empowerment to fulfill the purposes of God in our lives and through us. So, starting from where the apostle was, which is the kingdom of God revealed to the Christian family, a Christian husband prays earnestly for the power and inner strength to love his wife and children and demonstrate to them the love and leadership of Christ in their home. In the same manner, a Christian wife will pray earnestly to submit to her husband and show him the perfection as she receives unconditional love from him. As they establish the kingdom of God in their family, the world sees a shining light of the life of Christ to guide them out of their own darkness. So now let us go forward to seeking empowerment through earnest prayer. There is something we must note about the world made by God. The first is the order, okay? And that's order. And the second is repetition. Repetition. Consistent and constant repetition. Once you see order, look for the repetition that maintains it. The moon goes around the earth. The earth goes round the sun. They do this day in, day out, year in, year out. As a result of that order and repetition, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, consistently and without fail. And times and seasons, they follow this. Let us take a look at the revelation of St. John the Beloved. In Revelation chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. Order, repetition. Order, repetition. The first living creature, verse 7 says, was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Verse 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night, listen carefully, my brother, my sister, listen carefully. Day and night, they never stop. 
They never stop saying, holy, holy, holy. Lord God, the almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. They never stop. They never stop. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, they fall down before the one seated on the throne and they worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will, they exist and were created. Now, let us start from verse 8b. Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. The prophet Isaiah saw the same thing in his visions. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one cried to another saying, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. The house was filled with smoke. Now, when we pray, therefore, we must come into the presence of his holiness. We just have to come into the presence of his holiness. And there is only one way to do that, as we have been told. In Colossians chapter 1, earlier, verse 21 and 22. Let's listen carefully. At one time, the Bible says, you were far away from God. And you were his enemies because of the evil things you did and thought. Verse 22. But now. By means of the physical death of his son, God has made you his friends in order to bring you in holy, pure, and faultless into his presence. So, to enter, you see, Joshua in Zechariah chapter 3, he, he came to be empowered. He came before God for empowerment. The hindrance, the obstacle was the sin. Okay, so now, you and I want to go into God's presence to be empowered. The obstacle is still the same. It's still the same. Sin. Now, sovereign grace cleaned up Joshua and positioned him for empowerment. The same thing that was done for Joshua in Zechariah chapter 3 is the same thing that Jesus did for you and I on the cross of Calvary. Okay. Now, to, to, to enter, therefore, no matter, you know, remember the two words, order and repetition. No matter how many times I come into God's presence, I must come through the blood of Jesus to ensure that I can enter holy. I can enter without fault. I can enter without blame. That's why I cover myself. I wash myself in the blood of Jesus. This, this, is, not, this is not religion. This is the order. 
No high priest will dare to go into the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament without that. No high priest will dare. Now, the book of Hebrews teaches us how to do this. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. Now, let us take this slowly, brethren. Through cleansing in the blood of Jesus, we acquire the boldness to appear before his holy presence. Why boldness? Where does it come from? Because it comes from that statement that says, I have been, through the blood of Jesus, I am made holy, I am made unblameable, I am made unreprovable before God. So I have confidence. I have been cleansed. So that's why boldness comes from the fact that our sins have been completely washed away by the blood of Jesus. This is why we apply it each time we come. I cannot take a chance. David said, uh, who can understand all his errors in Psalm 19? He said, cleanse down me from secret faults. So I cannot be presumptive, you know, that uh, I'm okay. I cannot, I cannot be presumptive. So every time I come, order, I go and wash myself in the blood of Jesus. I cleanse myself in his blood. Now, the Bible says, you know, to add to that confidence given us through the blood, we also come through the curtain, you see, which is his flesh. What exactly does this mean? What exactly does this mean? He said, we have boldness because we have been cleansed in the blood of Jesus, but then we, we, we come in through the curtain, his flesh. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 3, the Bible says, behold, the second curtain. We're not talking about the second curtain. <coughs> Excuse me. The second curtain was the part of the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies. Okay. Which had the gold altar, for instance, and the ark of the covenant completely covered with gold. In it were the gold jar holding the manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Okay. Above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the place of atonement. Okay. When everything had been arranged like this, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle to perform their duties. But only the high priest went into the second part, and he only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins committed by the people in ignorance. Now here, 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 here is the picture. The, 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 the high priest comes in, he cleanses in the blood of Jesus, uh, uh, with, like the rest of the priests. But then when he comes to this curtain, okay, the veil, he takes the blood of the bull, and then he enters. So now, what are we going to enter with then? We are cleansed, we have the boldness, we have been cleansed in the blood of Jesus. We come to the curtain. The Bible says that curtain, Jesus made a new way through his flesh. So, what is the meaning of all of that? 
The way to understand this is that when we come to pray, we are seeking to enter the holy of holies in heaven. The cleansing in the blood of Jesus brings us as priests to this second curtain beyond which is the holy of holies. To proceed further into the holy of holies, we must pass through the curtain, which is the flesh of Jesus. Hebrews 10.20 says, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain. That is through his flesh. We're going to pass through his flesh into the Holy of Holies. What does that his flesh represent? We pass through his flesh so we can be clothed, completely covered by his righteousness. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, the way, the way I have... Um, uh, uh, conceptualize this is um, the way I have conceptualized this is to think about ice cream that is um, covered with um, chocolate. You know, if all these chocolate ice creams, you know, you make the ice cream, you put it on a, a stick, and then you dip it into the chocolate. So as it passes through the chocolate, it is totally covered. So, 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 so here, here, this is the, this is the, this is the, uh, stretch your imagination a little bit. So we come to this second curtain, the, the, the Holy of Holies is on the other side. And then we pass through the flesh of Jesus and we are covered in his righteousness. Hallelujah. Why is it necessary for us to be covered in his righteousness? You know, in the same way, like I told you, in the same way, that ice cream is covered with the chocolate. So that when we imagine the other side, we are blameless. We are unreprovable before God. Nobody can put a child. Because what, the, what we are covered with is the righteousness of Christ, not our own righteousness. And that's what we do every time we come before God. We close ourselves in the righteousness of Christ so that we can, we can have confidence that when we join the angels in their worship, Oh, we will be empowered because he says to Joshua, if, if you obey me, you, you, you will come in here. I will empower you like these angels that come in before my, come into my presence. And so it's important for every Christian to, to, to enter into this. To, to, don't, don't think that um, uh, somebody is waving, waving some magic wand somewhere and that's how they're empowered. They, this is the pathway to empowerment in through the word of God. And so when I come into that, when you and I come into that presence, okay, the, the, the assurance comes to us that now we can be empowered. Say, Lord, empower me that your glory may be manifest through my life. And as soon as I say that prayer, faith teaches me what things soever you desire. When you pray, believe that you have received that. And then you begin to operate in it. You begin to operate in it. So I come into that whole, uh, holy of holies through the righteousness of Christ. I begin to join the angels to declare his holiness. A lot of people don't know, what, don't understand why we declare his holiness. Because this is the foundation of his power. This is the foundation of his power. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. Okay? It is so important. Two scriptures then. 
That's the first one, 1 John 1, 5. And the second one, Hebrews 4, 16. For we do not have a high priest. Hebrews 4, 15. For we do not have a high priest who is incapable of sympathizing with our weakness, but one who was tempted in every respect as we are, and yet without sin. Now, what does that mean? Okay. This is what we call sinless perfection. Okay. When we cover ourselves with the righteousness of Christ, we are covered with his sinless perfection. We are ready to be empowered. Those who appear in God's holy presence for empowerment must have sinless perfection. And that sinless perfection is is conferred upon us because we are coming covered in his righteousness. Okay? So let us understand the process. First, we cleanse ourselves in the blood of Jesus. So we have boldness that our sins are washed away. That no accusation, there's no devil that can come and hinder us with accusation. That all accusations are nullified, canceled through the blood of Jesus. Okay? And then we enter through the righteousness of Christ so that we can put on his sinless perfection. And then we join the angels. We join the angels to worship his holiness. Our Lord Jesus has made it possible for us to go in and out of God's presence. So, go back. We go back to, um, um, excuse me. We go back to Zechariah 3, 7. And, and we see, if you obey my laws, perform the duties I've assigned you, then you will continue to be in charge, authority. You will continue to be in charge of my temple and its courts. And I will hear your prayers. That is it. Just as I hear the prayers of the angels who are in my presence. Through his blood and through his righteousness, our Lord Jesus catapulted you and I into God's most holy presence in heaven. As we join the angels and the four living creatures to worship his holiness, we are empowered by the anointing of his presence. His Holy Spirit infuses, infuses energy into our human spirit as revealed in Ephesians 3.16. I pray, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit. We stay as long as we are able in his presence with the living creatures, with the four and twenty elders that are called the heavenly Sanhedrin, worshiping his holiness. Why? This is because his power is the expression of his holiness and his absolute purity. You see, it, it, it come, everything comes so naturally. There is no struggle. There is no stress. You, you, you come into his holy presence. You worship his holiness. You come out empowered. And, and sometimes while in that his presence, if there are known evil centers of evil in your life and in your world, you bind them, cast them in the abyss. You know the anointing is on you because you're in his presence. There is no magic to it. There is no magic to it. And, and the truth of the matter is that every single one of us is capable of this. Amen. Every single one is capable of this. So, so uh, uh, um, let, let, us, um, let us pause here and and um, and um, and continue. Oh, thank you, doctor. 
Okay, no, just just a just just a moment. Now I, I think I, I'm done in a minute. So so let us let us use this um, uh, uh, scripture to particularly Zechariah three ten. He says he says when that day comes, each of you will invite your neighbor to come and enjoy peace and security, surrounded by your vineyards and fig trees. This is the prosperity. This is the peace. This is the revival. This is, the, this is all the blessings where spiritual men and women are custodians of because they appear daily, daily, several times, sometimes several times a day in God's holy presence. They exercise spiritual authority to change things from the spiritual. And then changes begin to occur in the natural. Amen. So let me just uh, conclude this. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Continue. Be vigilant. Do not allow yourself to be distracted. You know, we, I have taken pains to go into details in this so that everybody can take this away and go and practice it and see and see that it works. Go and practice it and see for yourself that it works. Nobody needs to be intimidating you out there. You go into God's holy presence, you exercise the, the power that you receive in his presence. And the kingdom of God begins to prosper. Okay? Remember, order, repetition. It's not that you come uh, uh, the next day, they've changed you something, you don't now use the blood of Jesus. No, no. You see, you, you don't see that in nature. Suddenly, the, the geophysics has to reverse. No, you don't see that. Order, repetition. It, that's the way it carries on. Those, uh, those uh, four living creatures, they do not stop day or night. They continue to, to chant his holiness. Okay? Thank God for such a wonderful privilege of being able to come into the most holy presence. Hallelujah. And pray ceaselessly for the opportunity to share this particularly once you begin to experience it in its awesomeness, so how easy it is to dismantle the demons and principalities and powers. Just see, when you enter into his presence, see how easy it is. And it is for all. It's not for some special group. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Doctor. There are quite a few questions, you know, but before we get into the spiritual stuff, I think it's good for you to highlight again where you started from about masters treating servants, how we treat our domestic, how we treat those uh, below us in authority. Because yes, the, yes you see, you, you see the, 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 the thing that uh, all these things produce is like, called snares, you know, particularly those who mistreat their domestic helps, you know, and that girl may be, and if that girl is a sincere person or boy, sincere person, honest, spiritual, they may be grieving, you know, they may be grieving before God, and that will create a lot of problems for you. Of course. You know, if you, you maltreat honest in, uh, people who are spiritual, they grieve before God. Ah, you know, that, you know, they'll have to forgive you for you not to be judged. So, so I, I want everybody to really be careful about this. Okay, amen. Thank you, amen. doctor. Now, the, the first question is, there seems to be a, an ongoing confusion or at least a misunderstanding about the comments on Romans 6.14. You're no longer under the requirements of the law. You know? And you know, this whole 
grace and law thing keeps coming back again over and over as we see questions. No, 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 please, no, no. Can you please speak you to see, it again? When, when, the, when the Bible says, um, since I therefore have no dominion over you, for you are not, not, no longer under law, but under grace. You are under grace. You and I are under grace that our sins have been forgiven. Okay? So when you're under the law, you have to make sacrifices for your sins to be forgiven. When you're under grace, the sacrifice has been made. But then, they didn't clean you up, like Peter said, to be like the, tea, the, the pig that has gone back to the mud. So I don't understand what the problem is. You know, they did not clean us up so we can keep going back to the mud. No. Grace is to make it easy to be cleansed. I don't have to now be going to the market to be looking for a big goat to cover my sins. You know, no, the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. So I don't have to go to the, to the rituals of the law to be cleansed. Now I have, I'm cleansed. But I'm cleansed to, to, to continue to live in holiness. That's what the Bible, that's why the earlier part of chapter 6 says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the answer was, forbid. God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. Yes, so there, there is no controversy whatsoever. There's no controversy. You know, the, the law, the righteous requirements of the law have, cannot be abolished because God is holy. He won't change his nature. Sin the fact that sin. he provided uh, forgiveness in Christ does not, does not mean that now you, you can rob him all over with sin. No, it's absolutely, that's absolutely impossible. Sin that's why you sin. see, uh, uh, so, uh, quite a few people have presumption. Yes. Like the Apostle Paul said in chapter 7 of that same Romans, he said, the Lord came to make sin exceedingly sinful. What does that mean? You know, before, if you, if you tap somebody's biro, you know, you wouldn't think um, uh, um, you are doing an awful, awful thing. But now when you hear that that is stealing, ah, then tapping biro becomes serious uh, uh, matter. Okay. The law serves to make sin seriously sinful. So you see it the way it really is. But it doesn't help Hallelujah. you stop doing it. That is the problem. Now, now as, we, as we enter into the presence of God, there's a question here that says, there are times that you just don't feel God's presence. Even when you pray, you know, about holiness, you know, you cleanse yourself, you know, that you just don't feel, you don't have that feeling. What's your answer to that, sir? It's not about feeling. I told you that this is, this is a process. You know, it's not about feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, this is about truth. This is how to come into God's presence. Okay? It's you cleanse yourself feeling. in the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? You, 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 you cover yourself in his righteousness. You join the angels to worship his holiness. You know, it's not about feeling. Once you've passed through, it's like somebody saying, well, uh, um, um, uh, we matriculated, you know, I, I wore the gun, I took the picture, but I don't feel matriculated. I, you've gone through the system, you've gone, passed through the process, you know. So once you're there, begin to exercise your faith, you know. It's not about feeling, you know. You have gone through the process, what God uh, 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 requires, you know, and then you are, you are, you are there. The, the only problem, because they look at the heart, the only problem is if they are not ready to, 
serve God or follow God or to obey God in your life, that's where you will hinder yourself because they know it. You know, that's what I say, I say to believers. Don't forget that where we are going, when we, where we are going, the presence of God, everything is naked. Hebrews 4.13. Everything is naked. So, so if you are not really ready to follow God, you are just coming to solve a problem or two for yourself. It, they know it now. They know it. The person you are going to knows it. But if you are really determined to love God, to serve God, you are seeking power to, to live a godly life, to glorify God on the earth, ah, they will empower you. I can, I, I can assure you of that. They will empower you. Because that's exactly what they want. They want men and women who will lead godly lives, who will reveal the glory of God, who will reveal the life of Christ to their generation. That's what they want from heaven. I, I like the analogy Aria, that Aria, you... can I? Can you give me a minute? Let me comment on what she has said before, please. If you don't mind. Do you have a, do you have a question? Do you have a question, ma'am? Yeah. Yes. I, because we're, we're, okay. I want please ask your question. Very quick. Uh, on the comment he has made about the way uh, the housemaid are treated. To me, whether the housemaid is spiritual or not, that the matter or the people that brought the maid to show their love of Christ through them. I will make a comment. When I was home one time, um, when my children was uh, young, and I said to one of my relatives that I would like to, if he doesn't mind, to bring the maid, the girl that is living with her here in the United States, so he can help me in the evening. So, but when I came back here and told her to go and get the transfer certificate of the, that girl. She said, uh, am I going to bring her to America and, trade and send her to school? I said, of course. It would be a guilt in my heart that in the morning my children will go to school and this girl will sit. Even if you live with me two years, three years, four years or whatever, her life is wasted. And I insisted that he would go and get the transfer certificate. Then instead of that, he went and brought a relative. I said, I would do the same. I think this is what common because in Africa, there's this maid and servant thing, especially people, people that come and serve and go, that's different. But people that live with, in a household should be given opportunity so that they can be able to live the life that God planned life for them when they, Finally, leave our house or so. Amen. That, That's a very my, good comment, ma'am. Very my, good. My, 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 okay, huh? my, my, let me finish. My, uh, one of my relatives came. She came when uh, 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 at the age, you can't leave her at home. Uh, you know, in the morning, the boss that take her to school, take her first, you leave by seven. And me and my children don't leave till, till almost eight. So, this is something as we, in this kind of uh, Christian community, should try and practice and don't follow the norm of what goes on in third world country. If, if, if somebody will leave you with people, a family for years, their children are trained, they go to college, they do the, and that person, when they leave, they become no skill, nothing. So thank, I'm thank so you very sorry. much. Okay, thank, thank you. Sorry, sir. Just, uh, just one final comment, sir, um, on order and repetition. You know, some people say that, oh, that is like sin consciousness. Can you speak to that? 
In fact, there is nothing wrong with sin consciousness because whether you are born again or not, sin is a hindrance. There is no time sin is not a hindrance. You know, what God did was to provide a way to cleanse it. It's not that it doesn't matter anymore. I don't understand why there's a problem in this area. You know, <laughs> you know sin is a problem any time. God hindrance. is holy. He, he's a hindrance. He, can, he cannot change the nature of God to be accommodating sin. No, there is no such scripture. There is no such scripture. But what he has done is make it easier for you and I to be cleansed. And then right. when you are cleansed, you don't go back to the same thing again. Exactly. That's why we, we say we use repentance to count mileage spiritually. And the implication is that the things I have repented of, I don't do them again. Amen. It's not that I come and say, oh, I've repented of my, of my bribery. Tomorrow I collect again. Mm-hmm. That makes nonsense of repentance. It makes no sense. The the Christian Christian needs to understand that repentance is the power to leave sin behind and then live a life of righteousness. It must be clear to the Christian. Thank you, doctor. Please give us a closing prayer and then we'll take the offering. All right, now, let us pray. King immortal, invisible, the only true God. We come washed in the blood of Jesus. We come close in the righteousness of Christ. We come to worship your holiness, O Lord our God. And we seek to be empowered so that your purposes will be established in our lives. We lift up our hands to heaven and and make a decree that the delights of your heart will prosper in us as individuals. We prosper in our different societies, wherever we are. And that, that the power of your Holy Spirit we make us a light in a world of darkness. Amen. This is our heart's desire. We thank Amen. you, O God. Lord, may every Christian under the sound of my voice arise from here and pray in these powerful ways Amen. and use the power so acquired to become the custodian of peace and security in their community. Amen. For it is in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 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 Amen.